Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in, turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Don't you just let me be. Do what you like. Gonna guess the ref picked the music today, is that right? No, that was Ben. He said this was in Caddyshack and golf started today, so this is the reason why he went with it. Oh. Ref was dead set on finding a golf song. So it's like it's the only golf oh, song. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. There was a guy that wrote some really bad music uh, about Arnold Palmer and Augusta. We can ask Mull about it. Mull will be on later. We we're going to talk college basketball with him, but do you have some jam band stuff queued up for Mull? Ben said he's got you. I know he does. Hey, welcome in, everybody. How about those ECU Pirates, huh? What a game last night. You heard it right here on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT. It was uh, a fabulous overtime win. I'm not going to lie. I, I've, So I was really impressed with the way East Carolina ran out. And kind of, you know, I mean, they, they were pretty dominant in the first half. I think we'd all agree. I mean, for for a good majority of the first half, they were they were running out on Tulane, who wasn't getting back on defense. They were outplaying them inside. They were just it's really outplaying them in all aspects. Tulane and those three players are fabulous. Uh, Cross and Cook. And Forbes, I mean that's that's a that's a really tough to deal with three guys. Don't have a whole lot around them, but those three guys are pretty good. And look, I they they help especially Cross with the little run, six at halftime, and then that malaise of the second half kind of struck ECU again. And uh, the Pirates kept kind of holding them at arm's length, but I'm going to take a little poll here around the room because you boys were at the game. You fellers were at the game. Um, Ben, did uh, when when Tulane went ahead, and especially when they hit the three to go ahead late, did you think, oh, no, yay or no? I thought it was Liberty, Davidson, Oklahoma all over again. Okay. Ref? Oh, for sure. We're already a bad second-half team, and then lack of conditioning. I thought no way UC would come back. So, if I'm not mistaken, then the Pirates go down and they get uh, the uh, a two-point shot, which was a, probably a smart play there, right? Yeah, I think they cut it to 74-73, I believe, with that. No, that was, this was in regulation still. Uh, maybe it was 71-70 or something. Yeah, they, they got down with like 28 seconds left and cut it to two. I think it made it 69-68, actually. Instead of because it was sixty nine sixty six when Forbes hit that three and that was a pretty shot, that dude just drilled it and I thought oh here we go, and then Tristan Newton takes it in, Pirates foul, and that was uh, ooh, uh, Forbes and I mean he did what he would expect a guy of his caliber to do he went there and he nailed both free throws. 
And then it just, it didn't look like it was going anywhere. And the defender left Tristan Newton just enough room. He got it off and buried it. It was, it was pretty uh, magnificent. Uh, but then the shot, they almost got is my good friend Hayes Permar. And I understand Permar was in for gold today and used uh, some of the clips last night with my audio on it. So I appreciate that. But uh, Permar uh, tweeted that they almost got Leitnard. Ref, I know you know the Leitner play, right? Yeah, and it did kind of – somebody actually on Media Row, I can't remember who it was, brought that up. They're like, isn't this like the exact amount of time that Leitner had? Then they inbounded the ball to like the exact same spot on the court and he kind of hit the same mm-hmm. like turnaround jumper. Like it looked just like the uh, heel to Leitner in 92. Despite the fact that I love the sound of my voice and I have a massive ego, as you guys know, um, and I've had a lot of people – write me nice things today and I appreciate it I mean look it's a great product to sell it was easy to, to do that game because it was a good game um, and we have a tremendous crew and size fabulous and, and all of that but I, I just I have not taken the t- occasion to go back and watch the game which I'd like to do at least watch the second half of the overtime because I think that was some good stuff although I was referencing did you guys notice Ron Hunter's outfit early on the jacket the, as I put it the drip yeah, did no, I use it, that correctly? Yeah, you did use that correctly. No, I did. I did like it. He had the chain and yeah, everything. Because I said, uh, I said, yeah, I said that's uh, he the, the drip over there. Did I, Ben? Did I? I, I won't necessarily. I, I don't believe it's not that I don't believe you, Philip, but I got to check with Ben on some of this stuff. Ben's like sneaky pop culture. Ben was that I like correct? The jacket. Um, I love the chain. I'm wearing a chain myself. Just in uh, uh just out of yeah. respect for Ron Hunter, I think he's a good coach and. Uh, yeah, I, I like the drip, and it slowly started coming off as the game got a little bit more heated. It did. He lost the jacket. But did I use it correctly when I said the drip never stops? Yeah, I mean, it, that that works. Okay. I, I don't see any problem okay. with that, you know. You had to give him a quick drip check, you know. He- oh, oh, drip check. All right, I'll have to save that one for later on. So, um, Ron Hunter, who, by the way, great two great coaches. I mean, just, just talking to both – Joe Dooley somewhat regularly, but then Ron Hunter. Uh, just two basketball lifers who were fabulous. Kind of from different approaches, but, you know, just both really, really good. Their players respect him. And, and that's been the big thing I've with this. You know, ECU could have crumbled in the past, would have crumbled. But they hit that three to send And then just Tristan Newton in overtime. The El Paso kid, TM Scott Shook. That that is that was some impressive stuff. That might have been, well, Jeff Charles said it after the game. He said that was the best. And he, look, he's seen a lot of basketball, seen a lot of bad basketball, but he's seen a lot of basketball in Greenville over the years. And he said that was the best like individual performance he could remember. And I've been noodling around with this ECU basketball stuff for. Eh, Coming on 25 years, maybe a little, yeah, 25 years. And that was, I, I cannot think of a performance, an individual performance like that. Now, that was amazing. That was some crazy stuff. I think he had all but two points in the overtime for the Pirates. Unreal. Really just uh, amazing stuff. And it took that kind of effort. And, here was the good thing about the game. You know, it went to overtime, and it was really exciting at the end. This wasn't one of those deals where the teams limped into overtime. 
you know, there was like missed shots or sloppy play or bad turnovers or dumb fouls. I mean, they, they, it was like a they were answering each other. It was like bucket for bucket. But I, how cross that shot didn't go down to win it for Tulane, I'll never know. I'll never know. And uh, in overtime, Tristan Newton was uh, was fabulous. Just fabulous. And I really love the game Brandon Johnson played. Um, you know, obviously they were without Luigi last night, Luigi DeBoe. They were without the uh, Canadian freshman uh, Liston. And they were without Zoe Frank. And I know Zoe's the guy they're kind of expecting if they could ever get him healthy and get him in shape to be a guy that can provide some some punch at that five spot, if you will. But I, to me, I think Brandon Johnson kind of earned the right to be the guy last night starting from here on out. Ben, you follow this close. Do you agree with me on that? Uh, absolutely. I don't necessarily like the idea. It seems like Joe Dooley likes to pick his big man based on the matchups he's got going on. But I think Brandon Johnson, time and time and again this year when he's come in and has started, has shown that he belongs in that spot. He's putting up numbers. You can see it in his play that he belongs to play at that five position. So, yeah, absolutely. Brandon Johnson deserves a starting nod moving forward. The other thing is this, and kind of unlike uh, the other two guys, if he has to go out on the perimeter, he's not totally at a at a disadvantage. Not saying that he would match up with every perimeter, but he's quick enough and, and moves well enough, he can actually guard some on the perimeter. He doesn't hurt you on the perimeter. It's not like you have nothing there with Brandon Johnson. He's a guy that can definitely help, and he's a whole lot more athletic, I think, than the other two guys. But you, uh, one thing that Joe Dooley talked to me about this week was – and, and Philip, maybe you saw this early on. You remember you got those kind of three quick field goals relatively early on. That he was just—he's more patient around there, more comfortable in that in there now. Yeah, he and he's getting looks there. It. So we could, kind of saw that last night. But it's a great win. And uh, look, ECU first conference win, one and zero. They're uh, now ten wins, ten and three. And they've that's a good that's a good number going into into this. And that was I, I get Tulane's under five hundred, but what Tulane really did during their break is they recalibrated everything, and that's why they've played as well as they've had out of that. And they look they had some tough losses, close losses. I mean they 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 were right there at Florida State. Now, I know Florida State is not maybe vintage Florida State of recent years, but. I mean, they still going into Tallahassee as a non-conference team and winning a game is no small task. And they were right there and had a chance to do it and ended up losing that one by a couple of possessions. So, I mean, I'm not going to be an apologist and, and pump them up for something they're not, but they were playing really good basketball. I, I get, look, and we talked about it last night. I realized Memphis was without three key guys, but it's still they beat Memphis with a good roster. Hall of Fame coach over there helping Penny Hardaway on the sideline. Rasheed Wallace doing Rasheed Wallace things, maybe, right? Maybe not every Rasheed Wallace thing, but still. So, I mean, a lot of basketball knowledge with that program. And then, you know, Cincinnati scheduled a really favorable non-conference schedule. Wes Miller got in there and very wisely <laughs> realized, hey, we can schedule some, some dubs. And he did. And so they're probably not the typical Cincinnati team 
I don't want to say they were like a paper tiger, but they, they weren't the Cincinnati team that you would expect, you know, year in and year out. But still, to go into that building and win a game is tough. Pirates are going to find that out next week. I mean, it's going to be tough to go up there and win a game. And so there you go. That's, I mean, those were two pretty representative wins. Those were name brand wins. And I, I could be totally wrong on this, but I just, if, if these two teams are among the lower part of the conference, this is a dynamite conference. I've seen a lot of basketball over the years. Grew up in the sport practically. And I, I'm not trying to say they're the Lakers. They're not Duke, but I mean, this is an ECU team that they look like and they got guys that play hard and, and have skill and are good basketball players. And are they a perfect team? No. I mean, it's hard to find a perfect team now in college basketball. Are they flawed? Sure, they got plenty of flaws. But they they play really hard. They believe in themselves. And at home, they're really, really, really tough. The shame of last night was there was just not a whole lot of people in the building. And so I, I'm hoping that, look, you don't want to pick losses, but, I mean, if you can get a split in these next two road games, you're two and one. You got Memphis coming in a week from Saturday. I think that's an opportunity to have a really big crowd. Uh, thanks to uh, Philip and Ben for uh, picking up the slack yesterday. I had some things I had to do uh, in addition to get ready for the telecast and then, uh, you know, execute it. And there was a few other kind of unique things with uh, needed to do yesterday with the Omicron and, and all of that raging. But uh, uh, good job yesterday. TJ, uh, I talked to him. He said, you guys did a fabulous job. And if TJ says you all did a fabulous job, then I'm going to I'm gonna go with that. Anything to say? I'll say this, though. TJ is too nice. He's a very nice guy. <laughs> Wait a minute. What does that mean? He's saying uh, TJ could have lied and, you know, said that when we done a crap job, and TJ, I think, still would have said we did a good job. I mean, TJ's top-notch nice guy. He didn't want to hurt my feelings. No, TJ's, TJ's a good guy. Here, he, you know what? He paid you guys a compliment. Well, we appreciate that. If you're listening, thanks, TJ. And, he, and you know what he said? He said, those guys, you could tell, really put a lot of time in to get ready for the show and get ready for the what they were going to talk to me about. I said, yes, absolutely. These guys are top-notch. They wouldn't be here if they weren't. All right. Uh, so thanks to uh, Ben and to uh, the ref for their uh, sitting in for me yesterday. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, we'll be back after this. We'll get to a pirate report. We'll have some audio from Joe Dooley. Uh, and then we'll talk some more college basketball, uh, talk some more Tristan Newton with uh, our pal Brian Mull coming up later. He's also going to talk a little golf with us. And then uh, Hubert Davis. Things aren't going so well in Tar Heel land right now. We'll get into some of that as well with Mull. As Hubert Davis kind of called the Tar Heel toughness into question, called a lot of things into question. Uh, we'll break, we'll return, and have our pirate report for you here on a – Victory Thursday for ECU basketball. We'll be back. Log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com, to listen to the Patrick Johnson Show weekdays at 5. It might be crap, but we love it. Or tell your smart speaker to stream 943 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. An important message from Byram Healthcare. If you live with diabetes, you know how challenging and painful it can be to manage your blood sugar. With private insurance, Medicare, or Medicaid, that can all change. 
If you test your blood sugar four or more times a day and inject insulin three or more times a day, you may qualify to receive at little or no cost, less copays and deductibles, a continuous glucose monitor, providing blood sugar readings with no uncomfortable finger sticks. It alerts you in real time to potential spikes with your blood sugar levels. Byram Healthcare is a leading U.S. provider of continuous glucose monitors. We carry most major brands and will work with your insurance to get your benefits approved. So if you have diabetes, call a U.S.-based Byram Healthcare specialist now and see if you qualify. 800-914-2037. 800-914-2037. That's 800-914-2037. Are you ready for a new career? An amazing company chose Greenville to be the home of their nationwide contact center. Victra is the largest independent retailer for one of the nation's largest cellular providers. And Victra's Greenville contact center is growing rapidly. Victra is now hiring multiple positions for consumer sales, business to business sales, retail store support, customer care, and operations support. Benefits include incredible commission potential, paid face-to-face training, medical, dental, vision, paid time off, a 50% discount on your wireless bill, access to wages prior to payday, and 401k matching. Victra is now hiring both full and part-time positions, and top performers earn $25 to $28 an hour. Don't miss this life-changing opportunity. Victra is holding an on-site hiring event on Saturday, January 8th. Go to pit-jobs.com for details about the hiring event this Saturday. That's pit-jobs.com. The V Foundation for Cancer Research has a simple motto. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. During these difficult times, cancer patients need help even more urgently. When you support the V Foundation, you are saving lives, creating survivors, and providing hope. 100% of your direct donation benefits cancer research. Join us to help achieve victory over cancer. Because together, we will never give up. Visit V.org today. Every Monday during the ECU baseball season, tune in as Pirate Coach Cliff Godwin talks East Carolina baseball. Brought to you by Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center and the Gavigan Agency. With Patrick Johnson on your home for Pirate baseball. I fly ball to left, to the track, to the wall. He cannot get it. 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Now back to the Patrick Johnson Show. All right, 518, Patrick Johnson Show. Are you ready for a new career? An amazing company chose Greenville to be the home of their nationwide contact center. Victra is the largest independent retailer for one of the nation's largest cellular providers. And Victra's Greenville contact center, it's growing rapidly. Victra is now hiring multiple positions for consumer sales, business and business sales, retail, store support, customer care, and operations support. Benefits include incredible commission potential, paid face-to-face training, medical, dental, vision, paid time off, a 50% discount on your wireless bill, access to wages prior to payday, and 401k matching. This is all amazing. Victra is now hiring both full and part-time positions and top performers can earn as much as $28 an hour. Don't miss this life-changing opportunity. Victra is holding its on-site hiring event on Saturday. That's this Saturday the 8th. 
Go to pit-jobs.com for details about the hiring event this Saturday. That's pit-jobs.com to be part of the Victra family. It is the Patrick Johnson Show for you here. Great to have you along with us on this uh, Victory Thursday. Pirates uh, with a, a big win over Tulane in overtime. And it is now time for our Pirate Report. Let's hear some post-game thoughts of Joe Dooley and company. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, this is Joe Dooley's uh, opening comments after the win over the Greenies in OT. Gritty performance by the guys. I thought they uh, we had a really good start, got a little stagnant. I thought Tulane was terrific in stretches and uh, put us on our heels. And then uh, we sort of we got, uh, got our bearings back and uh, made some plays. I thought, uh, obviously, Tristan was spectacular. But I think all the guys did a lot of good things. We had some stretches where we looked – a little rusty, but I thought for the most part the guys really competed and played hard. Ref, you ask the next question, so I'll let you ask it here or lead into it. All right, this is on uh, beating Tulane at their own game because Tulane has goes kind of small ball, and due to ECU's um, COVID cases, they had to go small ball last night. I don't, you know, I you would think I would you know they haven't been a great defensive rebounding team. Now they went after it tonight, but I do think in a game like that, you know, Luigi and Zoe and those guys really can get some offensive rebounds. But I thought we knew we were going to have to play small. Uh, that's happened to times where we've had to play small. Uh, we played really small tonight for some stretches, but uh, I don't know if we beat them at their own game. But you know, we, we had some good stretches. Tristan Newton, a career high thirty-two. He was uh, clutch in OT, and Coach Dooley talked about that. Get him an angle uh, and let him be creative. I, mean, I think the, the the hardest one of the shots to me was the banker. I mean, I, I mean, I was I, I had a pretty good angle. And that ball looked like it was coming off left, and that ball just went right through. I mean, everybody on the bench, we we all thought it was left. Uh, obviously, the threes were huge, um, and just made some really big plays. We had some good deflections. We had some timely defle- deflections also that got us out and got us running. But uh, he, he was he was terrific. That shot he's talking about was high off the window, and it just kind of dropped in. He's done that a couple times this year. Uh, Pirates utilize zone at times, and uh, it seemed to bother. It seemed to uh, bother uh, Tulane, and uh, we'll hear in a minute here uh, Dooley's game plan in OT because that was, uh, you know, the game plan should have been get it to Tristan and get the hell out of the way. That probably was the uh, part of it, but. Uh, a lot to hear from in our Pirate Report today with Joe Dooley. We'll also have some Tristan Newton and Brandon Suggs comments uh, for you. And, uh, look, again, I can't say enough about how Brandon Johnson played with the double-double that he had uh, with uh, the 11 rebounds. And uh, was it 16 and 11 or 14 and 11? Uh, I think it was 14 and 11, but he was just splendid. All right, uh, Joe Dooley now on uh, – is this the overtime one? Did we did we do that one already? I, I, I talked myself in a circle there. This is uh, – yeah, we did. So this is the zone defense uh, cut four on the vast soundbite roster today. One of the big, big one was against the zone. We had a, we had those two, or I think we gave up stretch. Or two of those were against the zone. We, we, the guys did a nice job. We really got some good deflections in the zone. We had to do that to rest the guys a little bit too. I mean, I thought it slowed them down. I mean, Cook was in a little bit of a tear getting downhill off that, that center ball screen, so we tried to change the, the, the rhythm a little bit. All right, and uh, Joe Dooley talking about the game plan in overtime. 
Well, I told our, I said it's our guys. Guys, we, look, we're making progress. We played three on three on Sunday. We played four on four on Monday. Played five on five on Tuesday. So we're we're, we're moving in the right direction. And then uh, ECU's ball movement. Now they shared the ball. We shared the ball. I thought, especially in the first half. In the second half, you know, they adjusted the zone. We didn't get as many cuts. I thought we, we wore down a little bit. Uh, we didn't get as many, you know, in the first half, the ball was in the paint a lot. Uh, sometimes it wasn't successful, but we were in the paint a lot. And we had a lot more cutting. Uh, I thought in the second half we got a little stagnant. Uh, but we had, I mean, we went nine for 27 from three. And I, my guess is probably, you know, 23 or 24 of those were actually pretty good looks. Um, you know, which part of that's fatigue, part of that's trying to get in a rhythm. I think your your offense suffers a lot more than your defense does during these lulls, but I don't know that it did tonight. I, don't, I was sort of surprised by the energy the guys had early. I was really surprised, to tell you the truth. Yeah, that was one thing that I thought was impressive is that ECU didn't look like they had uh, any rust as far as their legs or there any conditioning issues. I thought they had great energy all night. Uh, the uh, the strength and conditioning coach that works with them is is – one of the best in the country. And uh, the Pirates, uh, they just look stronger. They look more like a, a basketball. Uh, just they look like a team. Not only coming off the bus, they look good. But, I mean, they're, they're just, they are a representative-looking group, and they're playing hard. And when they play hard, they're, they're a tough crowd to, to deal with. But, I mean, you've really got to give uh, – it's Jason Martinez is who I'm referring to. you got to give him some real credit because uh, – he does a fabulous job as the trainer with this uh, with this group. All right, uh, this is uh, coach was just asked about being able to play again and, and being grateful to get out there and, and play a game after what was then a fifteen day layoff. I mean, it, it's terrible. It's not their guys' fault. Our guys' fault. I don't think we did anything egregious that these guys, you know, got COVID. I mean, it is what it is. So move on down the road. Uh, I don't think they like sitting out missing games. We don't. I mean, you tell them, hey, listen, you got a choice. We're out a couple guys or, and, or, or don't play. So what you do is you, you line up, you play, play as hard as you can, and then uh, get ready for the next one. And last night, Tay Mosher got his first meaningful minutes of the season, and here's what Coach Dooley had to say on that. That's our guys. There's a guy that's been sitting over there all season, and we throw him in there, rebounds, he's out there fighting, and, and – just as importantly, he bought us some time and he helped us win the game because he contributed. I mean, he went out there, he did his job. Uh, I think for these young guys, sometimes they have to learn it, you know, whether it's two minutes or four minutes, do your job, and that get, they get confidence from the coaches also. And he got himself some confidence. The guys were happy that he did well. So, uh, bought us, you know, we got him in around a TV timeout. He got in, got a couple minutes, and I thought he helped. It was a good performance by him. Hey, Ben, remember when Mosher went in? Hey Ben, remember when when Mosher went in the A and T game and he got his lip bust? He just he looked like he'd never seen a basketball before or defense before, right? I remember that Ben had to step out of the room to take okay. care of some other. Business. Oh, Ben's no longer oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I just he he mixed it up last night. I was kind of proud of the guy. Fought hard he for got that offensive and rebound and then had a great assist after yeah. that. Fought for another offensive rebound that he ended up tipping to one of his teammates. I want to say it was BJ, <laughs> but don't quote me on that. I mean, that's just the, those little things like that make a big difference. All right. Uh, talking about the layoff and the team's conditioning, Joe Dooley talked about that. Oh, it's miserable. But, I mean, you know, we, we were able to do individual instruction with some of the guys uh, for a couple of days. You know, we had a player or two in, in Minji's, a player, you know, a player in the practice facility and worked those guys out. And then we, those guys would leave. We'd bring a new set of guys in, you know, a couple of times. And then, 
Uh, like I said, I think on Sunday we were able to go three on three, where we had you know we had seven guys to practice, so we could do some stuff. And the biggest thing that always worries us is the conditioning. I mean, guys have been sitting out four or five days. You say, well, they were only been out for. I mean, that, for these guys, is the way they train. Two days is a debacle, and sometimes even one day. Um, and then we, we sort of progressed. You know, we were a little bit worried. We had to go a lot shorter, uh, just because we didn't want to um, wear ourselves out. I, I, I was. You know, probably surprised we were as in good a shape as, as I, mean, I know we were a little tired, but I was probably as surprised we were as good a shape as, since we hadn't played in so long. And uh, this is uh, Coach on, well, the, we'll get to this cut 10 here. Uh, and this is Coach talking about playing close games and how that helped them win that game. Yeah, especially since we've had leads at halftime and, you know, two of the three games we lost. I mean, but I also talked to our guys about, you know, the teams we've lost to are also projected as an 8, 11, and 14 seeds in the NCAA tournament. So you've got to, you know, figure out how to win some of these games. Tulane obviously came with great confidence, what they should have, you know, the way they played against Memphis. And they played, I mean, if you watch the first half against Cincinnati, you can see some stretches. I mean, they've got, you know, those guys, those three guys are, are a high, high-level scorers. We'll save cut 11 for tomorrow. Um and we'll save some of these player cuts, but I do want to hear from Tristan Newton about what changed for him in the second half, cut 12. Uh, nothing really. It was just, like, first half I was missing wide open shots. I just, it wasn't falling, so my teammates tell me keep going, keep shooting it, so that's why I didn't. They start to fall. They did, and he was pretty amazing. He just had four points at halftime. And then uh, in overtime, 14 points en route to the career-high 32. Uh, had the three-point hit, a couple free throws, a couple jumpers, and then the three-pointer to put him ahead two possessions. And then uh, got the rebound to seal it, made the free throws to, to seal the deal. And that's a couple times this year he's gotten rebounds late in games that have helped seal things and made free throws. I mean, Newton's a, a special dude, man, the El Paso kid. All right, uh, you ready for an update? Are you doing it, uh, Ref? Yeah, I've got it. All right, uh, that, then we'll have Brian Maul on with us. Going to talk some more about Tristan Newton and the Pirates, but also we're going to talk about uh, some other basketball news and notes and uh, golf starting back as well. So here is uh, the ref, Philip Pilkington, with a 94-3 The Game Sports Flash update. Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94-3 The Game Sports update. In the NFL, despite already clinching the number one seed, the Packers have announced that they plan to play their starters on Sunday against the Lions. On the other hand, the current three seed in the AFC, Cincinnati Bengals, will not play Joe Burrow even though their seeding can still change. Moving on to college football, LSU cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. has committed to the NFL draft. And Zach Kalazaba has committed to play at Auburn. He was a quarterback and was formerly at Texas A&M, has moved via the transfer portal. On to the NBA, the Warriors will be without Steph Curry and Draymond Green for tonight's game against the Pelicans. Both are out with injuries, no COVID issues with those two players. On to the NHL, the Lightning will get their star Nikita Kucherov back after he has been out with a lower body injury. And the Boston Bruins have signed longtime goalie Tuka Rask to an AHL tryout contract. Rask is the Bruins' all-time winner in the net and had hip surgery this offseason. ECU softball has landed two transfers that will join the team as soon as possible and will be allowed to play this season. Those 
those girls are Tondre Siner, a junior outfielder from Texas A&M, and Bailey Wilson, a sophomore infielder from Georgia Southern. Live right now is the Tournament of Champions in golf. This is the first big event of the year, and on top of the leaderboard right now is Garrick Higo, Victor Hovland, and Daniel Berger at 5-under, oh, as well as Eric Van Roten. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. After this timeout, Brian Mole joins the P-Man to talk college hoops, golf, and more. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. WorldCat, the world's largest powered catamaran boat builder, is hiring at their Tarboro and Greenville locations. If you enjoy a challenging career opportunity, producing a top quality product, then a career with WorldCat may be for you. Experienced craftsmen and anyone that enjoys hands-on projects and those with carpentry skills or auto body detailing skills are highly encouraged to apply. Send your resume to careers at worldcat.com. That's careers at worldcat.com or go to worldcat.com forward slash careers. If you want the best steak in Eastern North Carolina, then remember this name. The Seahorse Steakhouse, 2301A Stantonsburg Road in Greenville. They serve USDA prime ribeyes aged 50 days, cooked to perfection by Crystal. The Seahorse Grillmaster, guaranteed to be tender and juicy. The Saturday Night Prime Rib is an experience you'll never forget. It's the most flavorful, tender piece of beef you'll ever eat. Delicious is an understatement. You're sure to leave full and satisfied. But if you have room to spare, a generous slice of one of their homemade cakes will take care of that. So the next time you want a really good steak in a relaxed family atmosphere, remember the home of Daddy's Steaks and Mama's Cakes. The Seahorse Steakhouse, Stantonsburg Road, Greenville. Here's an update from Pair Custom Boats in Washington, North Carolina. The four models have been sold and transported as far north to Maine, all the way south to Miami, and they're even shipping one overseas 10,000 miles to Singapore in 2022. What sets Pair Marine apart from other boat manufacturers? Having customers able to walk the facility, walk through their boat bill with Brian and Paige to personally show where they want their rod holders placed, measure heights of tops, choose their color of upholstery, meet with the riggers for their custom placement of electronics, and take their first boat ride with Brian Pear to demonstrate all of their custom options. Pear also has some exciting news they're going to be announcing in the first quarter of 2022. Pear Marine would also like to thank everyone who's made 2021 such a success. Check out the website at pearmarine.com or call 252-717-7009. Stay tuned for the big announcement in 2022 and happy holidays from everyone at Pear Marine. Podcasts about the Pirates and Panthers are available. Sorry about that. I screwed it up. Let me do it again. <laughs> Podcasts about the Pirates and Panthers available now online at the all-new 943thegame.com. And now, fun, man. back to the P-Man, the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. What do you know?
Welcome back in, Patrick Johnson, Brian Mull, Caddy Network for Golf, part of uh, the Blue Ribbon, and uh, also part of Lenardi's team. When Selection Sunday rolls around, all of those uh, in-depth nuggets about the team, Brian Mull's responsible for a goodly amount of them. And then what's the other website you were telling me, Mull? I ought to write this down. I'm I'm I'm. I'm I'm just not sportsing it right today. What's the other website I'm that you're doing, doing some a, stuff for? Uh, a weekly mid-major column and some other features for collegeinsider.com. Mm. Kind of the home of college insider. Of all, where and, you'll find the mid-major top twenty-five and all kinds of interesting features. Let me ask you this: At this point, can you keep Gonzaga in the mid-major poll? You can't, can you? You know, they won't know part of it. It's interesting. Uh, they are they remain in the poll because they are a member of the West Coast Conference, which is certainly a mid-major league and, and a league that's uh, having a terrific year. I mean, on track to possibly be a three to four bid league, but they really don't recognize any of the awards. Uh, yeah, they don't really care about being ranked number one in that poll, which they are. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, could probably just leave them out, and it, it would be more accurate. All right. They the great Brian like Mole. No, 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 no. All right. Uh, the great Brian Mole with us here. Uh, you text me today and, uh, we're talking about Tristan Newton and, uh, just get your talk, your take on the game last night. First of all, it's just a heck of a game. And, you know, you think about, I thought this was a really good point that Hayes Permar made today on the Adam gold show. This wasn't like a game that went to overtime because the teams were, you know, throwing it around sloppy down the stretch or missing shots or committing silly fouls. I mean, th- these were, these were buckets being answered by buckets on both sides. It, it was one of the better games I've seen this season, to be honest. And uh, y'all are lucky to be courtside for it, uh, especially in this last couple of weeks with teams, much like East Carolina coming out of a, an unexpected pause due to COVID-19 complications. I, I mean, the, Frankly, there's just been a lot of ragged, inefficient, low-scoring, kind of ugly, grinded-out basketball. Uh, you're getting into conference play, and uh, teams are much more familiar with one another. And then just the, you know, the lack of repetitions, the lack of cohesion has been obvious. But this game last night was high level. I mean, uh, Tulane certainly did everything that they could down the stretch to win the game. And uh, conversely, you know, ECU didn't panic when when. Uh, it didn't look good. You know, they're down three in the last 20 seconds. They, they, uh, they executed their strategy perfectly, getting the two and then putting the pressure back on Tulane to hit the free throws, which of course they did. And then Tristan Newton just, uh, did what you need an upperclassman, guard, wing guy who's going to have the ball in his hands, what you need him to do. And, uh, he, he went and made a shot and then just took over the game in, uh, overtime. And it was, uh, you know, Denny O'Brien, our friend, uh, said he had, could never remember an East Carolina player, uh, you know, just being that dominant down the stretch. And it certainly has been a long time. I mean, it was a, it, it was a performance that they'll be talking about for a long time. Um, Pirates moved up pretty significantly in, in the Ken Palm. And uh, you, you look at uh, that, I mean, they've got a chance to, to move up even more. And, and I'm going to get you to talk a little bit about Ken Palm and the net here in a second as well, because that's something that we've started incorporating in the telecasts 
And I know for some fans, it's, it's a, it's a bit, they would like to say eye roll inducing, but again, that's, I, I think a lot of that is we need to better educate some of the fan base on exactly what that means and why it's significant and important. But, uh, you know, Ken Palm right now has them, you know, about to go on a, on a, on a skid here. I, I just don't, I don't see it. Now I know you got Memphis coming up and I know you got Houston coming up on the road, but I, I just, I don't see to me, this is, I mean, the, the next two games, cause they're on the road are going to be tough. Then you got Memphis a week from Saturday, but, and I get there's no off nights in this league and all that, but uh, you know, the thing last night, and you, you hit the nail on the head. This is a team that just isn't going to go away. It's not like they're going to roll over or, or, or fold or anything. And, and just kind of my opinion. Now, look, going on the road's a much different story than what they've done at home the last few, uh, uh, or really the whole season. Well, it is. And winning on the road in conference is difficult. I don't care what conference you're in, uh, where you're ranked. We see it all the time with, uh, you know, top, ranked teams and, and lose, they're going to lose two to three to four road games in, in their conference in, in the season. So you have to execute. You probably uh, have to understand that you uh, may be at a free throw disadvantage at the end of the game. And uh, you're going to have to really win in all facets to, to be able to come out on top. So, uh, you know, the Ken Palm stuff is predictive. Uh, it, he's, it's based on program history at the beginning of the year, and then slowly as games come in, all of the preseason stuff kind of phases out. Uh, I think it's somewhere around the 18, 20-game mark, so all the preseason stuff is out. So you, that's basically the team that you are at that point. And, you know, just in a, in a nutshell, what it does is it measures every possession. So uh, it's looking at the big picture of your season, not as far as – uh, 20, you know, 15 games to this point, but uh, an average of 70 possessions per game. So there's a lot more information that kind of gives an accurate portrayal of what a team's strengths and weaknesses are and how they'll match up against opponents. And now certainly those are just averages. And uh, teams uh, improve over the course of the year and, and, and key players are out sometimes, which affects that rating. So it's fluid. It's just a base point. It's not something... Um, if Kim Palm was accurate every day, there would be a lot of people making a lot of money in certain markets. But it, it's um, <laughs> it's just kind of a good it's a good base point. And and uh, what it does, uh, you know, for somebody that does what I do or you do, it gives us an idea kind of of what type of opponent, their style of play, what they what they're good at, who their better players are, and that sort of thing, kind of in a holistic. Um, viewpoint whether they play fast or slow it's kind of broken down to just possession by possession and that's the big difference because you know virginia can have a great team and average 65 points and duke or north carolina can have a great team and average 85 all right one other thing and uh we we threw this graphic up uh last night and uh the thing that you look at outside of south florida everybody else in the league is in the top 50 percentile in the ncaa net at least coming into last night Get, educate the listeners on that a little bit and why that's a significant number. Well, the net is the number that the NCAA came up with um, after they realized all of the flaws of the old RPI, which we used to always hear about, you know, ad nauseum, especially when it came to bracket time and bubble time. And the net takes from all of the metrics that are out there, including Kim Palm now, and kind of summarizes them, if you will, and, you know, what that's basically where their starting point is for choosing at-large teams. And 
you know, nobody should be surprised that the American has so many teams in the in the top of that. I mean, when you look at just uh, you know top seventy five, top one hundred caliber teams, I mean, there's there's six or seven every year, and this year is no different. Um, maybe not quite as strong at the top, but UCF has probably going to have something to say about that. So. Uh, night in, night out. You know, you're going to get tested in the American, and um, you know, ECU has, is making progress. Uh, this is probably the best team, top to bottom, that that has been there in several seasons, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think they have a they have a roster that can that can match up. They're not going to be overmatched like like we've seen sometimes in the past. Right. Uh, Brian Mull with us uh, here, uh, college basketball and golf writer. Of course, your guy Lenardi has Houston in. I think he's now got UCF in, although they did lose last night. Uh, and then he has Memphis in the first four out. So, I, I mean, I know we're, we got a lot of basketball to be played in the next uh, two months, approximately. But, I mean, right now, what do you see that league, the American, maybe getting into the to, on Selection Sunday? Yeah, I think obviously Houston is is going to be in the field. Uh, I, I feel like with with the weakness of the ACC could play to the Americans' advantage a little bit. Um, I I still don't know that they'll get more than two. To be honest with gotcha. you, I think a lot has to go. I think a lot has to go right between now and the end of the season for certain teams. Uh, that that was. That was a tough loss for UCF last night. No, you know, Temple has a fine team, but that's the kind of game if you're if you're trying to build a, a large case, you, you probably needed to win that. Oh, you got to win at home. Um, I mean, you just got to yeah. win at home. That's that's the deal. Yeah. All right, I want to talk some other basketball with you, Brian, and, and then just touch quickly on uh, the PGA firing back up this week. But uh, UNC loses last night at Notre Dame, and every time it looks like the Tar Heels have kind of figured it out they go and lay an egg or they lose a game. Uh, you know, Kentucky, they look listless. And then they b- bounce back and they beat App and then everybody was all uh, giddy because they blew out a really kind of bad Boston College team that probably really even shouldn't be in the ACC for a number of reasons. But here's Notre Dame last night. Not exactly, <laughs> you know, not exactly vintage Elite Eight Notre Dame, right? And right. they they beat them last night. The Heels, I think, had a little run to take the lead late. But, I mean, Notre Dame staves them off. And then you got Hubert Davis, I mean, using a lot of things to describe this team as non-competitive. And uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but kind of a lack of heart and no toughness and, and that sort of thing. I mean, there's some trouble. There's some trouble in blue heaven right now, isn't there? There is. I mean, this is a team that right now, as we said here about halfway through the regular season on uh, January 6th, that has one quality win. Uh, they beat Michigan on December 1st when at a time when Michigan was really struggling. Uh, I do think Michigan's a bubble to possibly tournament team, but they're certainly not the juggernaut that they were a year ago. Um, otherwise they've, uh, you know, they've had some opportunities, three of them on neutral courts, uh, um, granted against top 20 caliber programs, but, uh, weren't able to win those. And then, uh, you know, going on the road in the ACC is never easy. And Mike Bray had a good game plan last night, kind of let Baycott get his and did a good job defending the perimeter for the most part. And, uh, Caroline's defensive energy was just very average. I think that's probably what Hubert was talking about with, he's called them out so many times already this season for their defense. And then, you know, <laughs> right. they, they 
play a mid-major or an inferior opponent, and they they look pretty good on that end. But um, seems like any time they've they've been matched up with a team with some real offensive firepower, I mean they've just uh, been smoked, giving up 98 to Kentucky, uh, 93 to Purdue, 89 to Tennessee. Um, you know, 78 was one of Notre Dame's high scoring games of the season last night. So that's really uh, what I have to think. Um, you know, is going to probably determine the, the course of this, the next month or so for this Carolina team is what what kind of defensive team can they be? I mean, they have plenty of talent to score. Bigger pretender or contender out of the ACC, Miami or Louisville? They're both 4-0. I like this Miami team. You know, I wasn't All sure. Right. Uh, they've dealt with a ton of energy, injuries excuse me, the last two to three years. It just seems like key guys being out. And, uh, I mean, this is a team that, that can, can put some points on the board. Uh, they play with, they're playing with a lot of confidence and uh, winning some high-scoring games, which is a little unusual for a Laranega coach team. But uh, he's, you know, this is the style of play that seems to suit this group. And I, I like – I like Miami to, to stay in the mix here. Um, right. I think they'll uh, they'll give Duke a pretty good game down there uh, this weekend. And uh, I, I'm not sold on Louisville. I just don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a huge huge fan of what they've got going on. I, I, I honestly think Wake Forest will finish ahead of Louisville when it's all said and done. Yeah, even though Wake's lost a couple of uh, games uh, here. Brian Mull with us uh, here. A couple more minutes uh, with him. We've had huge COVID pauses uh, all across the country. Some of that is starting now to kind of work its way out. You're seeing fewer and fewer games postponed uh, or uh, canceled or forfeited. And again, I, those conferences that are forfeiting games, you got to figure something out. Even if you're a low major, you got to figure something out because that's that's just such a disservice to everybody. And I mean, kudos on a, on a lot of even the American included these conferences figuring out and saying, Hey, we don't need to be forfeiting games at this point. That's, that doesn't help anybody, but we got UCLA right now, kind of coming back after not playing since, uh, Oh gosh, I think December 11th. Uh, there was like a three plus week layoff for Ohio state. who's at Indiana tonight. So do you, what, what are you hearing when you talk to coaches? Cause I know you talk to them a lot. They kind of feel like that they have weathered this and, and, you know, all indications are, there's a big wave in this, and when it crests, it kind of drops off. Let's hope that's the case. But what, what are you hearing when you talk to coaches out there? Yeah, that's what I'm hearing uh, in general. Uh, certainly there's a few who, who dealt with it, uh, you know, got a tough hand last year with long pauses, and we're kind of in the here we go again, you know, conference plays just starting up. My team was kind of coming together, and now we, uh, you know, can't play a game for a couple of weeks. But I think the difference is this year that uh, it's not just total isolation and shutdown in most cases, and there are a number of guys who can work out together, maybe not go five-on-five, but at least have some semblance of a routine and a practice and maintain their conditioning. That was the big issue last year was just teams lost their conditioning and were never able to get it back, um, you know, as they got into the the dog days of the the season. So I I think – uh, most coaches kind of anticipated this, whether they uh, sent their kids home at Thanksgiving or Christmas, or even if they didn't, just um, with the spike and the timing of it and uh, everything that they anticipated a, b- a bit of a shutdown, if you will, or late December, early January, like we've seen, and are hopeful that, uh, you know, the games are going to be played. I mean, right now, as it stands, when I'm looking at some of this rescheduling, I mean, February is going to be the busiest month in the history of college basketball. 
Um, I mean, there's just so many games that have been going to be pushed back to late January and then into February. It's going to be pretty wild. You're going to have teams playing three, if not four, games in a week trying to uh, to get caught up. And, 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 you know, perhaps they're not all played, but I think it's uh, – I agree with you. The conferences are, are doing a better job of trying to reschedule those games as quickly as possible and kind of taking that – taking over that job. And, yeah, the forfeiting is just ridiculous, I mean. Uh, that just doesn't, I don't know it's who's just, gains it, in that deal. It's such a disservice. And I mean, I look, I get these low majors. They're trying to say, Hey, we, we don't have a ton of money to send people to places again, but I mean, just, you gotta be better if you're running one of those leagues that's f- making teams forfeit. It's just, it, it doesn't do any good for anybody. All right. Uh, leave you with a golf question here. Brian Mull, uh, caddy network is where you can get his golf work, uh, there and other outlets as well. But caddy network is the big one at BG Mull on Twitter, uh, tournament of champions, not a bad spot to be in. How's this field and how do you see kind of the first event of 2022 going? This is, uh, one of the strongest fields, uh, on paper, you know, by the official world golf ranking in the last decade. And really, if you look at who's there and who's not, the only names you might be looking for that you wouldn't find are Dustin Johnson, who is not eligible. Uh, his last win, of course, was the the Masters in the fall of 2020. He did not win a tournament in 2021. And then Rory McIlroy, who just uh, won twice last year, but always chooses just to extend his holiday break a little longer. I think he'll play over in the in the Dubai area a couple of weeks yeah. in a couple of weeks and, and make his debut there and then surface on the PGA tour a little later on the West Coast. But um basically everybody else as you would expect, all the top players in the world are there. The golf course is uh you know, it's a resort golf course. It's built for the for the average player. So the fairways are very big and uh the scoring will be very low and it's uh, you know the whales will be out there in the water, and it's always a nice diversion this time of the year for those of us in other places where it's not eighty degrees. Well, it's also about to drop down in like the twenties here, so yeah, I think uh, I think this will be uh, would be much preferred to be in Hawaii if you could. All right, Brian Mull, great to talk to you as it always is. We'll talk to you again uh, next week or sometime shortly after. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Patrick. There goes our guy Brian Mull. We'll be back to wrap up the show next. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of Pirate Football, 94.3 The Game. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time. Time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-540-8816. 800-540-8816. 800-540-8816. That's 800-540-8816. Your home of the ECU Pirates, Dan Patrick and Adam Gold, 94.3 The Game, Eastern Carolina's home for sports. And now, back to the P-Man. Back, 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 back. 
The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Got some pretty exciting news for you. Tomorrow on Talk of the Town in the 8 o'clock hour, the outgoing legendary voice of the Panthers, Mick Mixon, will join Henry Hinton and myself. We'll bring you excerpts of that tomorrow here on the Patrick Johnson Show. And Sa Seymour will join us. We'll talk ECU and Temple. That'll be coming up on Saturday. I think we got through the whole show with no AB or no Hub Arkish uh, nonsense with, uh, oh, what's his name? The Green Bay quarterback. The Jeopardy host. Yeah, that guy. I mean, you just got worn out with it today, right? For sure. Why Why? Why keep... Somebody asked me, you're going you're gonna to talk about the latest AB? I don't care. I don't care. I think the guy's sick, and I think he's sick because of... Well, I, I don't want to speculate, but I just think he's got some some issues and it's not it's not fun or hilarious or haha really isn't uh thanks to brian mull good chat with him great job by ben and philip and we'll see everybody tomorrow for a get you to the weekend edition of the patrick johnson show Attention duck hunters. Greenville Marine Outdoor Shop just outside of Greenville is the premier shop for all your duck hunting supplies and is Eastern North Carolina.